You are listening to the Painted Goddess Podcast, episode number 17. Well, hello. It's Wednesday, witches, so here I am making this podcast. Actually, I, I record on Tuesdays, let's be honest, and you may not listen to this until later. <laughs> Time is some fluid irrelevance. Uh, let's be, uh, yeah, open about that, I guess, and honest, because uh, time is such an interesting thing. I wanted to do something really different for this podcast, and so I had this late night thought um, prior to retrograde, but that I would do a 12 house reading live as a podcast. So that you could kind of see how it is that I work together tarot and astrology. And one of the ways that I have kind of learned through this is by doing, sorry, I'm getting my space done, you know, whatever, things are real and, and happening now. So I do these readings for people and what I do is I look up a natal chart and in astrology, a natal chart uses your birth place, your birth time, and your birth um, location. And it draws up the sky at the time of your birth. Now, I use this in astrology to kind of chart time frames to look at um, nature versus nurture. You know, nature would be, you know, some of the ways that different signs are in certain houses and so that would uh, suggest that a person is more likely to do one thing than another act in a certain way looking at the four elements especially asking myself and this chart to kind of show me uh, what what elemental um, charge is this person you know what is more highlighted than um, than the other and and where are the lack of um, energies and that kind of thing and so I thought it might be fun <clears throat> fun to just kind of put it all out there and do a chart for today Wednesday July 9th 2019 at noon so I've drawn up this chart and then I'm going to pull 12 cards in a circle, which I call a 12 house reading, and I will relate them to the different signs and houses. Now, if you've never gotten a reading from an astrologer or a tarot reader, you know, these are tools. These are tools for self-inquiry. They're tools for self-growth. They're tools for... Um, feeling into something that's going on right now and maybe taking the lesson from it. I find that working with astrologers or tarot readers myself that I, I always am surprised at how clear the message comes through <clears throat> um, when I'm open to listen. So, you know, I encourage you to open your mind and open your heart to even this reading because these energies are present on Wednesday. And in a lot of ways, I think, you know, my intention is also to kind of understand the times we're in because so many of the outer planets, by the way, will be here where I will, you know, where, where we're going to talk about for a while. Um, and I'll give you kind of the, the transit of each planet as we kind of go through it. It may not be completely exhaustive, but I try to kind of teach astrology in a, in a minor way so that there's understanding. So if you've never heard of astrology, um, well, that, you know, that might be hard because I'm sure you looked this up <laughs> by that term. But, you know, maybe you just really have always been uh, kind of... Uh, intimidated by it. And I recently listened to a really great um, podcast with Deborah Silverman, who is an astrologer first-ish, but a tarot reader as well. And she relates both tarot and astrology to each other, especially, which I found very fascinating because this is something I kind of ended up doing organically. And there's actually a lot of like legitimate traditional associations 
that some of them I know and some of them I don't know. So I'm excited to kind of continue that learning. And, you know, part of, um, I think, the journey of self-inquiry and using these tools is all about continuing to learn. So, okay, so let's get started. So here's the thing. I always light a candle. So I want to also offer just a little bit of a heart centering. What does heart centering mean? So heart centering is basically breathing as if you can breathe through your chest straight into your heart and then exhaling through your chest straight out of your heart and almost if you it helps to close your eyes almost imagining that there's this breath flow in and out of your chest that way and it helps the mind to kind of surrender awareness to the heart helps to focus not on the plane that's flying by that you perhaps can hear, but to focus or the rain for that matter, I'm outside, but to focus on the sensations in your body and to get grounded. And again, grounding is you know, remembering that you are a solid heavenly body full of energy and spirit. And in this kind of range of emotional human experience, that we have this ability to shift our attention to this heart center. So take a moment to really do that now as you open up to your intuition. My readings are channeled in a way where I'm looking at these different tools and the symbols, the elements, and my ask to you, my offering, my service, is to offer up a narrative that might be nourishing for you. So just be open to receiving that and letting everything that does not speak to you kind of fall away. You might just get one word out of this entire podcast that really resonates, right? That really vibes with you. And investigate that. Understand that these, you know, all of these synchronicities are, um, they're co-created by us all being in this space, by you deciding to listen to this podcast, right? It's my gift of, of having you here, right? That's my, it's a gift to me. And I treasure it. So I appreciate you listening and opening to this experiment. I'm going to light the candle. And I light this candle for our collective spirit. As we open to the collective spirit, the wild spirit, as we say in, in our Wild Woman Project. We, as we open to our own spirit, we connect to and raise the vibration of the collective wild spirit. And that is the spirit of intuition. That is the spirit of honoring the sacred self, right? So this tool of astrology, I'm going to go through basically the chart. I'm going to talk about the signs and then I'll be in and it, and it, blah, blah, blah. and then my candle went out because it's outside. I'm lighting it again. This is all very professional. <laughs> oh, thanks for listening. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through this chart as I see it, and then I'm going to start pulling cards. And um, the cards will relate to the chart as we go around it. And it will allow me to kind of deepen um, the, you know, the, the field of awareness, see where we're at, right? So right now, today, um, it's a Virgo rising. Now, a Virgo rising is where the sun rises, and it's actually at 29 degrees Virgo. So it's the last degree of the sign of Virgo. And what's interesting to me about that, and again, this is at noon, um, July 9th, 2019. If you want to draw up a chart, you can go to astro-charts.com. 
and you can put in July 9th, 2019, and you can put in 12 p.m., and then I put in Tacoma, Washington, which is where um, it's, it's kind of the biggest the metropolitan city next to me. So if you put in those coordinates, you'll see the chart that I'm looking at, um, which might actually help you to listen along. So feel free to do that if you're in front of a screen, not while you're driving, <laughs> which is how I always listen to podcasts. So we'll see. So the rising sign is at 29 degrees Virgo. Now, 29 degrees is like the last degree of a sign, right? And that means that has a certain kind of energy in and of itself. So Virgo is... Um, you know, a sign of service. It's a sign of self-worth. It's a sign of um, feminine exchange, right? The Virgo is the virgin, right? She is the, the, the maiden energy of femininity. So, um, which is, you know, kind of where I think they get service from. But there's also this kind of um, organizational administration side to it. They're very, you know, Virgo energy is very detail oriented. Now, because the rising sign is in the 29th degree of that um, place, so that starts the first house, but the whole 12th house is in Virgo, okay? Because this wheel goes around and it goes counterclockwise. And basically there's 12 pieces of pie, each one is a house, one, two, three, four, all the way to 12. And so being that the rising sign is mark, marking the first house beginning, you know, basically the first house is in Libra, even though the energy is initiated in Virgo. So kind of interesting where, you know, for me as an astrologer, you know, looking at it holistically, I think, you know, there's actually whole house astrology that definitely will put um, houses and, and will sync them up to signs. Um, I do not read that way. So just to be clear. So this 29 degree rising Virgo sign says to me that there's this really mad dash today, this energy of, of today that there's this urgent sense that something needs to get organized and done. And it's interesting because, as we know, Mercury is in retrograde along with several other planets. And Mercury today is sitting in um, the sign of Leo at four degrees, which incidentally is um, where it will go direct. So it's still headed, it's headed Oh, that's interesting. That can't be right. Four degrees Leo. Mercury in four degrees Leo. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's, it's headed back at four degrees Leo. So it's still sitting there. Okay. The retrograde started um, a few days ago. It's still in Leo. And so, you know, we've just started this retrograde. It's still at that four degrees Leo. Leo is all about the... Um, the creative expression of our lives. How do we creatively express? And we're about to kind of review that through the next few degrees of this retrograde. And so I bring this up because, you know, there may be, it may be a way that you can use this energy uh, between that Virgo ascendant working, working with the Mercury retrograde to get something organized and done get a project done, find a way to kind of put everything in its place. Virgos really like their to-do lists. So it might be a really great day to have that happen for you. Um, and it, it might, um, from what I've heard from other people, they've been feeling quite lethargic during this first few days of the retrograde. And to be honest, so have I. I've taken a nap a couple of days, like 20-minute power nap. <laughs> so... But then it goes really, you know, the first house energy is really Libra. Um, although it's initiated in Virgo again. And I'm going to pull a card for this. And the first house is the mother of pentacles from the tarot. Now, the first house in Libra also includes this, the moon sign. The moon is in Libra today at 21 degrees. Now, the moon shifts 
signs every few days. So if you're listening to this later, the moon is probably not there anymore. Um, but the moon being in the first house means that our emotional needs go first. They're more, you know, our emotional needs are kind of at the forefront. So along with this energy of, you know, getting the to-do list, organizing something, and using that initiatory energy of the retrograde in Leo to focus on creative expression. So what does it mean to create organizational, um, uh, you know, uh, spaces in our life for things to live, everything having its, its space so that it serves us? How does our, how does, uh, how does our, our situation, how do I, how does, how do we set something up to serve us? And then it actually becomes emotionally fulfilling, I think, is part of that first house message. And the mother of pentacles, you know, comes in to kind of stand uh, sentinel because she is the great earth mother of, and the mother of pentacles is, is of course, the queen of pentacles in the traditional tarot. But the mother of pentacles is all about kind of abundant management right? They are able to manage a, a ton of different kinds of resources and be very nurturing. There's a very um, intentional kind of self-care service balance in her way of being. So she knows that in order to care for others, she must care for herself first. And this brings her an abundance of energy and attention to detail. Um, and I would say Mother of Pentacles is very affinity uh, has a big affinity with the Virgo sign itself. So that's interesting that she came up here, right? So, so mind your self-care. How do you set yourself up for self-care? It might be a really good day to kind of check off the list. You know, I'm going to make sure I have everything I need for a really amazing bath. I'm going to make sure that I have um, plenty of my staples in my house, things that I know I need, um, and I'm going to make sure they have a home. You know, if you're constantly kind of shuffling that one stack of bills around the house, finding a place for them to live so that you feel like you know where your life is, right? You know where the things that you need are. And that will be kind of emotionally fulfilling. The moon being in Libra is saying in that first house is saying, you know, how do we harmonize um, in our partnerships, right? So that might be, um, the partnership you have with another person, it might be in your job, it might be within your own kind of uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It might be like your relationship to, you know, again, this retrograde being really about the inner child and, and healing that kind of victimhood that we kind of carry a lot of times from how we were parented or how we, you know, did not have our emotional needs being met as children oftentimes. Um, but how do we, how do we then create harmony within our own being so that we're emotionally nurturing ourselves, right? How do you listen to your own emotions? How do you make space for them? How do you kind of uh, name them and notice them, right? I know when we, you know, when we look, talk about, you know, children, uh, raised in a social environment, there's often this, you know, our literacy around emotional language is often a key to being able to actually feel the feeling. So um, you might feel very um, nervous energy, kind of lots of buzzing around, and one person will name that as anxiety, and another person might name that as excitement right? Because we have different emotional languages and the way we feel things in our body. So how do we create harmony within our own self to support the structure of self-care so that we can create um, space for our own needs and for others' needs? Okay, so the second house the second house begins in the sign of Libra and then uh, spreads into the sign of Scorpio. Now, the second house, um, and again, I guess, so the first house is all about the self. It's about the ego. It's the I am. The second house is about resources, land, comfort, right? Money, the things that we do for money, okay? It's the way that we 
um, val it's our values. It's ruled by Venus. So it really is about this comforted, loving value. What do, what do we really um, hold above all else? And it beginning in Libra and headed into Scorpio today tells me that today is really about, again, Libra being this harmonizing partnership and Scorpio is kind of this, it's kind of a dark water situation. It's a deep, deep sea. So the things that we um, uh, kind of don't always um, notice, it's some of the things that we disown because they're shadows. But it's also very powerful, transformative energy. So looking at the second house and saying, you know, how do I harmonize this ability um, to create value for myself. How do I, how do I, you know, make, make my life surrounded by the things that I value, right? How do we have an, you know, a comforting home, a supportive system, um, a supportive, uh, you, you know, network of people that care for us. And then Scorpio really calling you out on, um, ways that you might push away, um, comfort, um, in order to sacrifice, um, Scorpio kind of has this tendency to, um, in its shadow side, that is, um, to disengage and disenfranchise. Um, and they have no problem like walking away from toxic people, which is kind of a superpower if you're one of the yes people, right? People who can't say no. Uh, Scorpio can teach you a lot about saying no. So it's really about, um, and it's interesting because this is a mutual reception kind of situation where Scorpio is normally in the eighth house, which is straight across from the second house. And Scorpio being in the second house says, you know, I'm going to make sure I know what shared resources mean and I'm going to keep healthy boundaries so that I'm able to support my own um, needs and, you know, and, and then Libra being there is asking for harmony with that relationship to another. So, so how do we blend that? How do we really, you know, show up for others the way we want to, but also fucking give, um, ourselves the time and rather than exhaust ourselves. And the card that came up is the five of swords and the five of swords is really interesting here because, the five of swords is, so fives are about change and turmoil. They kind of shake things up. It's the breaking point between, you know, this minor arcana journey. The swords is mental activity, action. It's a very masculine uh, dominated kind of suit. And the five of swords is very exacting. It's either this or it's that. It's very, um, you know, it, there's no gray area. And so it's really asking for um, separate but equal shared resources. When I look at this, um, you know, so where does mine end and yours begin? I want to make sure I know the line. What are the expectations of sharing resources, whether that be in your partnerships um, at home with your children, uh, with your, you know, with your spouse or at work? What are the expectations of what I'm responsible for? Okay, and it's a really kind of clear defined. And again, this harkens back to this rising sign in Virgo where it's like, let's make sure we know what at the end of the day we need to get done. Here's my to do list. I'm going to check this off. And there's this kind of detail oriented sentiment going on here. Um, and because that moon placement in Libra makes me think that this will this energy will help to emotionally fulfill our relationships in some way that maybe has been lacking. So. Ah, the third house. The third house is about communication, partner, um, uh, sorry, neighborhoods. It's your community. It is technology and travel and messaging. Um, it's all the things that can get kind of uh, muddied during the Mercury retrograde, but it's um, all about how we connect with each other. What's the network like? And it's ruled by Mercury. Mercury is the mental aspect. It's the messenger it's the God Hermes, right? Mercury, God Hermes, same. They're the ones that, or they, well, to be gender neutral, 
Hermes is the one who was able to go and get messages from the gods and maybe he'd give that to the humans and then he'd take messages from the humans and to the gods and, and then go to, go to Hades or Pluto, right? And go and speak to Zeus and take, give, you know, kind of swiftly go around and, and, and deliver messages. And so during retrograde time, this is, you know, this is the highlight, heightened kind of um, focus. It's like, how do we get our messages crossed? How do we get misunderstood? How do we miss small details? And from the um, astrology of this, of today's chart, it's really interesting because, um, again, this is Wednesday, July 9th, so, <laughs> uh, which is Wednesday. Um, it's really interesting because the third house has... Uh, Jupiter in it, which is in Sagittarius right now. It's Jupiter has about a year long cycle. And in that year, it will be kind of this collective energy of teaching us something. There'll be a medicine. Now, being in Sagittarius, it's the ultimate teacher. It's philosophy, it's travel, it's other cultures, right? Learning about the world, kind of expanding your horizons, pushing the boundaries of something, growing past past your comfort zones okay and this and Jupiter is also right now in retrograde until August and so it's in its period of reviewing what have you learned thus far from Jupiter being in Sagittarius and it being in this third house um, today while there is, um, and again, this shifts all the time. So around noon, like this is like a really cool chart, actually. It's a really cool time to really look at what you've learned for the last six months or so about, about how you learn, how you grow, how you expand, what makes you feel expansive? How are you finding, um, I mean, it's also a planet of luck and kind of auspiciousness right there's this Jupiter is kind of the 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 Oprah of the astrology like you get a car and you so it expands and grows everything now not to say that expansion and growth is not always painful you still got to pay taxes on that car that Oprah gives you right so it's definitely not not like rainbows all the time but Sagittarius is where Jupiter it rules Jupiter or uh, sorry Jupiter rules Sagittarius, so so there's this affinity there, right? They're kind of like they're like partying at, at my home, you know, and uh, it's 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 good vibes. So, what have you learned about pushing your boundaries? What have you learned about expanding your horizons? About um, being part of something greater than yourself? It's also huge vision. Sagittarius energy, Jupiter energy, is huge vision. So, what kind of big dreams have you had? So, and then how does that affect everyone that you're in relationship with too, right? How do you learn from others? Um, and what, what feedback are you getting? So, and then that being in the third house just super highlights all that communication. Now, this is in direct opposition right now to the sun in Cancer and um, also the North Node in Cancer. And so that's really interesting as well because it's, it's pointing us to the point that, you know, this learning of Jupiter retrograde through Sagittarius right now, while Mercury is retrograding, you know, this is part of it. This is so part of it because when you look at how you've grown, you're going to be seeing also your shadow side, right? Because, you know, I think, um, I think Joseph Campbell said this, you know, the taller the tree gets, the bigger the shadow gets, right? So as you grow, you think you're just going to get more power, more influence or, you know, but really it's, you know, the more money, more problem situation where, you know, you stand taller, you stand out and all of a sudden you have this huge shadow that grows with you and it can create different kinds of discomfort, right? That's what comes with growth. And the card I pulled for the third house is the mother of cups. Now another mother, right? Now this mother is an emotionally charged mother. She is actually very insightful, intuitive, all the things that water as an element kind of bless us with, you know, an emotional intelligence that, that comes from understanding empathy, right? The willingness to feel 
um, rather than only rely on logic to make decisions, that there's this affinity of her, her power through, um, through the emotional waters that can kind of tear up your ship sometimes, right? She is a, she is a fierce navigator of these emotional waters and is able to kind of really notice and name again, the times that we're in the, the way that, um, we relate to each other and our emotional beings. So again, that, and this harkens back maybe a little bit to that moon. And there is an aspect there between Jupiter and the moon and Libra, Jupiter and Sagittarius, the moon and Libra, just being this kind of, um, easy sextile transition, uh, aspect. And, you know, uh, it's interesting. There's a few oppositions there that make a cross. There's like this, um, there's this marking on this chart and, but, but the, but the, it's kind of a T square from Pluto. Interesting. So sorry, getting ahead. I was like, I didn't look at this chart before I started reading. Like this is all just live and in, in your face. So Sagittarius being in sextile to the moon gives kind of an easy, um, association. So it also kind of hearkening back to it wanting to help you be emotionally fulfilled. And this mother of cups is just saying like, follow your intuition when it comes to communication, when there's misunderstanding, lead with your heart, lead with the breath first. Let's assume that people are, um, are meaning well first. Okay. And allow, allow that to come in because even if you're wrong and you know, someone's absolutely malicious and like coming to get you wants wanting to prove you wrong and destroy your self-esteem and take all of your, you know, vital organs. I don't know why that came up for me, but like if, if someone wants to attack you, you get to still feel aligned with your own self. If you lead with your heart, wonder, you know, the great Brené Brown question, what am I making this mean, right? Rather than jumping at it from a space of scarcity, fear, um, righteousness. Okay. So this, this especially, um, I'm reminded that Mars is conjunct, uh, Mercury right now in Leo. So there's a real, um, opportunity for our, our tension to get flared and our, fears and anxiety to get triggered and then anger be the response immediately. And so you really do, you know, Jupiter is offering, I think this, and, and the third card in this 12 house reading is kind of offering a third way or a second way, even if we did get a third or a second of, of being a way to kind of approach it from a heart center, allowing your, your emotional state to be protected while you also investigate the meaning of something and remember that maybe this person or this situation isn't meant to attack you maybe it's supposed to teach you right this jupiter and sagittarius it's the teacher so what am i learning even if it's i'm learning to set some boundaries that don't look like setting a ship on fire and walking away like they do in the dude movies right okay fourth house. So the fourth house is in Capricorn and the fourth house also has Saturn right now in retrograde in it and Pluto in retrograde. Okay. And that's fourth house is the home, which is mutually receptive. It's on the South node right now. Like the lunar nodes are cancer Capricorn. That's the energy of the times we are in a lunar node for about a year and a half. And it's a collective kind of learning that's happening. It's and the, the Cancer Capricorn Lunar Node is really all about uh, balancing the inner child's needs with your adult structural needs. How do we build um, lives that support us and we take responsibility for them and also reparent and heal the, sh the little selves inside of us who felt abandoned, felt neglected, felt shamed right? We all have one of those core wounds, at least shame, abandonment, guilt, or I mean, um, neglect. Um, 
shame. <laughs> There's three core wounds. Shame, abandonment, or neglect, and betrayal. Thank you. So, so there's this sense that if, if we're feeling betrayed, that rage could come in really quickly, especially being in that um, Mars-Mercury uh, conjunct. We'll get to that later. I keep bringing it up. But the Cancer Capricorn nodes here where, you know, this is fourth house, tenth house, okay? And the nodes are um, where the eclipses happen. So we just had this Cancer New Moon eclipse at the beginning of July on the 2nd. And at the end of, um, or in, on the seventh or 16th of July, uh, we will have a full moon eclipse in Capricorn, right? So this Capricorn cancer exchange, this polarity is really teaching us to take responsibility for how we use our victimhood, how we heal ourselves, how we, you know, it's like, great. Yeah. You were harmed. People harmed you, you were neglected, you were betrayed, you were um, belittled, you had no, um, uh, you know, unconditional love models or whatever happened to you. You were bullied for whatever reason as a child. Many of us were. And that's not to, you know, dismiss what we went through. It's not to say this is the shame Olympics and mine's better than yours, whatever. This is to say that collectively we've suffered from a lot of wounds that came from how we were raised to ostracize or include others, what's okay, what's not, who's sinning, who's, you know, good, who's bad, right? All of these ways that, that culture has asked us to kind of tribalize <laughs> and, and, and now we've found, um, you know, that there's, that there's a lot moving. There's a lot awakening in us that is asking for more. We're asking to be evolved. We're asking to include, you know, the whole realm, the biodiversity of all into our realm of goodness, right? Like we are nature. And what does that mean? It means a lot of healing trauma work. So this fifth house, or I'm sorry, this fourth house is where the moon rules and interestingly enough i pulled the major arcana of the moon card for this um, house and the moon is all about the feminine charge it's really about the great exchange you know it's mother earth it's feminine it's reflective <clears throat> it's deep self-inquiry there's a mystery to it there's a sense of cyclical life to it and you know saturn and pluto being here together in Capricorn right now, both retrograding is kind of interesting. Saturn is the planet of, um, you know, limitations and structure constraint. It tells us, you know, we only have this much time in a day and here's our purpose, you know? And so t Saturn is, Saturn's an interesting, you know, it's squaring right, you know, next year to, to Jupiter and there's this dance going on. Um, that is the great dance, which if you don't know about the Saturn um, Jupiter dance off in the sky, um, I highly recommend reading about it. I've been doing more and I might do a, a podcast about it if you guys think it's interesting. But basically every seven years there's this square um, and there's a sense that we have to kind of push through constraint and reorganize ourselves, right? This happens in relationships. This happens in societies. This happens in governments. This happens in our human lives, right? When we're seven, when we're 14, when we're 21. Think of that seven-year cycle as you went boom, 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 and then get to the year 20, 28 or 29, 27 to 30, where you are having your Saturn return. And it squeezed everything else out, right? And you, they call it the kind of you know, Saturn return is, is this kind of cr crucial kind of crisis. It's your, it's your long, young life crisis, so to speak. But, but Saturn actually wants to help us to remember why we're here and give us focus and say, here's what you're responsible for. Don't waste your energy on things that you cannot control. Here is what you can control. And thoughts, feelings, actions come up for me. Capricorn is a very pragmatic um, energy, and this is where Saturn is for three years. 
So you'll notice, of course, in the political sphere, that so many things are being questioned. It's like, why did we build this foundation this way? Can we restructure, right? Because Saturn is helping us to constrain and eke out any kind of excess that is not necessary. <clears throat> Draining the swamp, if you will, which we're still fucking doing, apparently. So, so Pluto is this is the planet of transformation. It rules Scorpio. So all of those things I mentioned about Scorpio in um, a couple how you know a couple houses ago, is is all that I'll say here really, which is there's this sense of rebirthing, you know, transformation. Um, it's the it's the snake shedding its skin. It's the phoenix rising from the ash, right? And it's also this powerful place of um, boundaries. It's a water, uh, water sign, you know, Scorpio and Pluto is associated then with that dark water. It's the deep, deep water. And so these two together are powerful, formidable team saying, you know, you need to transform all the shadow and bring it into the light, dredge it all up. You know, this is what we've been doing. Dredge all the goop up. Let's pull up all the shits right? And then restructure based on pragmatic kinds of limitation. And the fact that this is in the fourth house right now, this is your home. The fourth house is our home. It's where we seek comfort and protection and safety. So where do we feel safe? How do we feel safe? How do we set limitations? How do we set healthy boundaries? What does that mean? Okay, a healthy boundary means that I decide what I will do in response to whatever's happening and I will hold that boundary for myself right so you might hear people say oh there's a they've been they're just boundary violators they're not respecting my boundaries well that's fine that's great right but you don't get to control them this is this is the you know this is the great work of maybe Buddhism you know all you get to do is to control how you respond and the moon here in this makes me also think you know along with this mother of cups energy it's like it's like be reflective you know ask the questions you know if if you feel like you're being wronged then inquire as to what that person mean direct meant mean meant directly rather than kind of skirting around the issue stirring up anything you know, asking other people if they heard something, wondering about um, how they're going to fix something that's some imagined problem in your mind. Just go directly to it and say, you know, I made this mean this thing. And, and it's, it's really hurting my, I'm suffering over it. I'm freaking out. I feel like we're not connecting, whatever it is. Or I feel like I'm not doing my job. And it feels like you're giving work to other people, however that is. Or it feels like I can't manage my home, even if this is an internal stuff, right? Like, how do I start to really manage my home, my life, so I feel comfortable? How do I set um, myself up? Again, this whole reading is really about how do I set myself up for, <clears throat> for kind of stable, self-affirming, relational, uh, re relationship equity, as well as um, emotional fulfillment, what does that mean? Right. And there's a, there's an opportunity here with this energy to kind of ask those deep questions, really dig up what you want. You know, Pluto and, and Scorpio are also all about desire. You know, there's this sense of deep desire. And, um, and so I'm curious like too, how that in the second house, the Scorpio in the second house, what is it that you desire to be separate? Maybe you need a better work-life balance. Maybe, you know, um, that's, this is a great day to kind of contemplate that. What does a work-life balance actually mean? How do you create space for your work in your life? And then how do you create space for your family in your life? And then your extended family and maybe yourself. And how are you kind of giving yourself that way to bounce around flowing, flowing through, right? Knowing that you only have so many hours in a day so maybe you don't fucking make the cookies for that bake sale for nothing right maybe you don't spend your time doing that maybe you go and buy the cookies right okay fifth house 
So Fifth House is all about creative expression. It is the house of children. It's the house of self um, actualization in a way, right? We learn about ourselves in the first house. And then by the fifth house, we've really started to understand the basis of what makes us feel comfortable, how we communicate, what makes us um, feel at home, right? How, what makes us feel safe. And then once we feel safe, the fifth house is about expression because when it's safe to express, we are creative beings, right? And there is no planets in this, in this space. Um, this house is mostly in Aquarius today. And Aquarius is all about the rebel force, right? The rebel forces. It's all about revolutionizing society in a way that serves all. Now, you might have heard of the Aquarian age. Um, There is a ton of talk about Aquarian feminine leadership these days, especially in the Kundalini Yoga community. I listen to um, Guru Jagat, and she is just like killing it in terms of um, looking at how women lead and what that means in the Aquarian age of that. And so the fifth house being there is still very high vibe energy of creating a rebellious front. And the card I pulled for this is the six of wands, which is fucking beautiful because in this deck, the wild unknown tarot, by the way, this is what I use. And I'll I'll put a picture in the, I don't think I can put pictures in the show notes, but I'll put a link to my Instagram with the picture and it's got a butterfly rising above what looks like kind of like the bramble from sleeping beauty when the night is like chopping through it which is what i always think of these thorned brambles but it's a card of like victory after kind of create creative stagnance right it's like out of the darkness of that stuck feeling when we're creative we have writer's block we're not sure where to go from here then something transforms and it's it's instant right there's this instant instantaneous kind of um liberating force that that frees up our mind and all of a sudden we're we're like uh uh, you know able to create again and so it's beautiful in this fifth house energy so it's like what kind of ways can you revolutionize your life what, what have you set up as a structure that was like the structure that your mom set up? And it made sense to you because your mom did it that way or your dad did it that way or your whoever, your brother, you know, your teacher did it that way. And you actually felt pretty stuck in it. And how can you actually revolutionize that and, cre- and express yourself creatively and rise, rise up and uh, get out of that stuckness? So that's that fifth house energy today. All right, sixth house. So sixth house is about, that's where Virgo is living usually, right? So that's again, sixth house is the house of service and self-worth. It's about self-care and work-life balance. It's about health, right? If we're healthy enough to sustain, if we're sustaining our own health and have an excess of it, right? That's when we get to give. So it's really this kind of sense that if we don't have our own ability to stay healthy, then we will not be able to give, right? We can't actually give of what we don't have. So that sixth house is um, in Pisces in this chart. And it's also got uh, Neptune in there at 18 degrees. Now, um, Neptune is also in retrograde and it's in Pisces. Now, Neptune is the ruling planet of Pisces. And that whole, the Neptune and Pisces is like, super fluid energy, very lucid, dreamlike, has a lot of intuitive power, but not a lot of um, uh, kind of critical thinking, detail-orientedness, which the rising chart or the rising sign Virgo in this chart is really kind of going to help out the day in regards to that Neptune retrograding in Pisces. but there's still an opposition to the moon today, which makes me think that there's this affinity for, you know, kind of intuiting what cycle of your life are you in right now? Really grounding that vision, because if you're in a cycle, if you've, if you've noticed especially that there's this cycle of health where you go through where you're really healthy and then, and then you're kind of harboring slow decline and then you're unhealthy. And, you know, even if it's seasonal, let's just talk about seasonal flus and how we all kind of go through these times. And when, when the fall comes, we get a little stressed out and then we become sick. Now, why? it's like, why is flu a thing in the winter? Anyways, 
So it's one of those times that we can actually use this really fluid, intuitive energy, I think, to look at the cyclical patterns of our health, even our cyclical patterns of self-esteem, our feelings of self-worth. You know, did you, did you grow up feeling really vulnerable and have come recently into your power? And maybe that feels kind of weird. You know, maybe that doesn't feel quite native to you yet. And it feels maybe like you're boasting when you're talking about your, the good things that are happening for you, right? Do you notice that you want to hold back your goodness because you are afraid of making others feel bad, right? And I think Pisces always wants to be really honest first with themselves, but then also have a really safe space to be vulnerable in other places. This is, you know, what Pisces really seeks is that really safe space because um, at their core, they have a very sensitive, um, emotional um, experience, right? And so today is, you know, June 9th is really kind of charged with that amongst all of this. So, and the card I pulled for the sixth house, which I think will give us a little bit of, of, of insight here is the three of swords. Now the three of swords is kind of like, um, traditionally it's a heart with three swords stuck through it. And in the wild unknown tarot, it's this, these three swords, they're dripping with blood. They're bound by this red, uh, ribbon that, you know, is kind of very ominous looking. Now the threes are often about community. It's about union. It's about kind of creating, um, uh, ties, but with the sword, it's kind of like the swords is all mental energy. So when you start to really, um, believe your thoughts and get attachments, this is what the three of swords warns of. So the Pisces Neptune kind of retrograde is, you know, asking us to heal the ways that we're attached to things that we think must be true, right? It must be true that so-and-so Um, is struggling because they don't have this thing or all the assumptions that we make. It's just really checking your assumptions and trying to understand from a standpoint of um, openness and a heart-centered awareness, right? Like really being open to the fact that you might be wrong about something, especially when it has to do with other people's experience and being willing to show up in in that way and, and offer them a safe space to share with you unattached, right? The other thing about this being in the sixth house is, you know, when we give, um, sometimes, sometimes we, we, we expect to be, uh, returned the favor, right? Our, our relationships become almost transactional in some ways, you know, I do this for you. So next time you got me, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And money makes it more that way. And of course, if there's business involved, you know, you have to kind of make sure that your compensation is, is being um, made, right? You need to live. However, when it comes to emotional relationships, personal relationships, how transactional are your relationships? Are you expecting, you know, somebody to return a favor? Are you, are you kind of, you know, doing things for others because you want to make sure that they'll do that for you? Or are you doing it out of obligation feeling like, well, they would do this for me. So I'm going to completely um, negate my self-care today, even though I'm feeling really shitty. And I'm going to go and help them and do the thing Um, full out, right? I'm not going to say, hey, I can help you for a little bit, but I'm not feeling well today. So is it okay if I help you do this one thing? You let me know what one thing can really help. And then I'm going to go, right? It's just for full on, right? Cause we want to serve. We want to be of service. You know, most people in each other's lives really love to give. It feels good to give, but why does it feel good to give? Does it feel good to give? Because then, you know, you're in, in your, your, you, you know, you're on the, the abundant side of the debt that your transactional relationship is right. So try and look at what you're attached to. What are your attachments to the outcome of something happening? Are you super, super attached to an outcome? Now, of course, we have goals and we have expectations of relationships and people, but, you know, that doesn't always go our way, right? People make decisions that have nothing to do with us. And if we're attached to somebody being a certain way, when they shift, it can completely derail us. 
and it make, we, all of a sudden we make it about us. It's not about us at all. It's this other person doing what they feel is the best they can do in that moment. And so by, by freeing each other up, by allowing it to be okay, oh, it's okay that that didn't happen today. You know, must not have been, you know, I, I kind of have this way with, especially my friendships. Most of my friends are kind of scattered, not most, but many of my friends are scattered about the country or even scattered about this area. We don't see each other very much. But when we do, I just focus on the present now and being so grateful that, every, you know, that we're there, that I have, you know, I, I feel very grateful. I have a lot of friendships where it feels like we just picked up where we dropped, while we dropped off, right? Because there's this, it's not attached in a way where it's like, I wish you, you know, well, be nice if you called more. <laughs> like, like, who needs that? It's such a downer, right? So anyway, I highly recommend that. Okay, so seven, the seventh house. The seventh house has Chiron in it. It's Aries. So, and Chiron is also in retrograde. And retrograde for Chiron means that we are reviewing the ways. Again, the, the wounded healer is being healed right now. The great wounded healer is being healed right now in this day and age through this Chiron transit through Aries. It happens once every 50 years. Okay, the last time Chiron was in Aries was in uh, 1969. And at that point, many great uh, civil rights leaders were shot. You know, everybody was like, okay, stop partying. The 60s are over. It's time to get back to business. Right? And we kind of put on this armor like, okay, yeah, that was just my college days, Mm, you know, and, and there was this sense that, that we had to bottle it back up again. Well, Chiron is back in Aries and it's here to let us know that once again, we must heal the I am, we must heal our self ego wounds. And I love that this card to the world that came up for the seventh house. Now, seventh house also. So seventh house energy is all about partnered relationships. It's where Libra usually lives in the chart when it's, uh, you know, it's, it's native to that. And it's ruled by Venus as well as um, the second house, like I mentioned before. So Venus, you know, in, in the seventh house with Aries is like really loving on this warrior. It's like, put up your feet. I am going to show you what love looks like. I'm going to show you what an equal, an equal um, power dynamic looks like even. Because Aries wants to self-assert. Aries wants to be the first. Aries wants the power upper hand. And the woundedness that we all have around these power dynamics of good and evil, Democrat, Republican, men and women, all the polarities, right? We live on this polarity planet. Everything's at odds with itself and each other. This Chiron transit through Aries wants to say, I am going to ask, and this day, especially being in the seventh house, it's lovely. It's like, I'm going to ask you to lay down your swords, right? I want you to lay down those, those, those weapons that are being used to not only inflict harm on your brothers and sisters, but yourself as well. If you think that you're not harming yourself by hurting others and by taking the upper hand by force, then you (laughs) have another thing coming, right? That's the new, this new Aquarian age as well. This teaching of the power dynamic shifting into something that is shared. There's a shared kind of leadership, a more feminine, empowered, um, masculine healed empowered relationship both feminine and masculine need to heal by the way so this chiron in aries in the seventh house i pulled the world card which is a major arcana card it speaks of it being a spiritual kind of experience and so you know what today is saying about this is you know let it be a spiritual experience to 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 heal your inner wounded self what in you What part of the I am? I am an artist, right? I am a girl. I'm a woman. Actually, that almost makes me want to cry. Okay, wow. You know, what what can you put after that I am? I am fill in the blank. That just brings you to your knees. 
this so such a wounded part of you and just fucking give that part of yourself a ton of love because the world is waiting for that unique person that you came here to be that unique treasure that gift that you thank you for listening it's such a pleasure every week to spend time with you and I really appreciate you listening and being here If you've enjoyed this podcast or benefited from it, please share it with your friends. If you'd like to know more or work with me, you can go to paintagoddess.com and find all of my free resources as well as how to book a reading with me. I work together astrology and tarot, which has been a really illuminating process for my customers and clients and friends. And I would love to do a reading for you and see where we're at today. 